Hello, everyone, and welcome back to episode number seven of Exploring Reality. So after a bit of back and forth, Byron and I have decided that this is actually going to be our last episode for this season. And, you know, seven's a great number. It's nearly eight, but it's odd. And I don't know, there's something lucky about seven. So we're, we're, we're excited about that. But look, we wanted to, to finish on a on quite a deep and, and, and personal um, episode where we discuss something that's really quite important um, in our hearts and our minds and, and, you know, a big aspect of our life and our identity, which is just startups and entrepreneurship in general. Um, you know, yeah. it's such a fascinating thing because, you know, when you think about reality, one of the most challenging and interesting things about startups is that it's illogical, it's irrational, it doesn't make economic sense, it doesn't make emotional sense, it doesn't make sense for your relationships, it doesn't make sense for almost anything, and yet we still do it. And I think the reason why we do it a lot of times is just because we, we're trying to bend reality to our will, and that is you know, the whole process of building something from nothing, you know, going from zero to one. Um, and this is something that I think is you know, a big part of what Byron and I have been doing for you know, most of our adult lives. Um, so we thought we'd kind of, you know, have an episode where we just kind of talk openly and frankly around entrepreneurship, what it means for us, um, you know, some of the emotional, financial, personal challenges that we've gone through in terms of our lives and how that's shaped our reality and existence to date. So this might be one of those episodes where it gets super deep and personal, and interesting and exciting, or it might get a bit awkward and uncomfortable. We don't know. It might be 20 minutes. <laughs> probably it both. Might, yeah, probably both. Uh, it might be... It might be 20 minutes, it might be 40 minutes, it might be a little bit longer. We're just going to see how it goes. Um, but look, ultimately, there's, I think, a lot of people in my life um, and a lot of people in Barham's life who often come to us um, and talk to us about startups. And I think in recent years, it's just been really interesting because, you know, startups have become really sexy. And there's this whole media conglomerate and hype machine that is built around startups. Um, and VCs have, like, perpetuated that as well. Um, and I think just off the back of that, you know, I always think of startups as uh, a gladiator sport. Um, and I mm -hmm. think there's a lot, there's a huge audience, um, you know, watching what's happening in the arena. And I think yeah. part of the challenge is that, especially in recent years, you know, as entrepreneurship becomes more and more popular and as it kind of like enters the consciousness of society and, and, and broader society in general, you know, people think that just because they're observing the sport, they're part of the sport but ultimately when you're in the arena uh it's you that's getting cut and it's you that's getting like mud thrown uh, in your face and it's emotionally like a completely different experience um yeah. and it's really simple to to kind of explain that it's really really challenging to emotionally experience the toll that it is building a business and building a startup and yeah this has been a very long intro for me but hopefully it's been a <laughs> It's been a good scene setting for like what we want to cover and, and, and some of the, the emotional conversations that we want to want to dive into this episode. So yeah. without further ado, Byram, <laughs> why do you do this thing? <laughs> why do you build startups? <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's a good question. Um, I think part of it comes down to like challenge. <laughs> uh, if I look at like the, the, the entrepreneurs around me, uh, one of the differences between the entrepreneurs and the people that work somewhere tend to tends to be like that the entrepreneurs they want to 
seek the challenge, right? You want to have a challenge every day. So that's the same thing back in the day when I went to the tournament to fight with someone where chances were high that I would lose and I would injure myself. Still, it was worth it, right? Mm. This is very similar. So that's why, in a way, I like the uh, the gladiator metaphor. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I think like part of it is like challenge. Uh, part of it is freedom. Um, which is interesting because it also takes away a lot of freedom in your life, right? Absolutely. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Right. Absolutely. Like, and, and, and then I'm very well aware of that. I'm like not as financially free. I'm, I don't have that much freedom in terms of like how I spend my free time because there's not that much free time. Yeah. Uh, but it gives you mental freedom. You can work on the things that you really want to work on. You can um, work with the people that you really want to work. I think that freedom is also a key part. Um, plus I think there's something inherent in people that like, or at least in entrepreneurs that makes them want to do things. Cause I've had moments where I really hated myself for making it so hard on myself, right? Yeah. Where you're really disappointed in yourself. Like, okay, wait, why am I doing this? Is it worth it? Should I even yeah. like keep on going or is or am I being stupid right and then you're aware like okay but I've not been rational since the beginning so what is the right all of that combined right um yeah but yeah still worth it <laughs> let's dive into the challenges a bit later why do you do this um I'm I, I'm gonna I'm gonna make sure that I oh, answer this question uh but but, <laughs> be, 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 but before I do I think there's something really interesting that I think a lot of people um, don't quite appreciate the, the, the nuance of, which is when you build something yourself and you're the you know founder, co-founder, whatever, and you build something. Imposter syndrome is something that I think everyone goes through, but I think one of the biggest challenges of imposter syndrome and, and, and just like your sense of identity in startups is that there's not an institution that stands behind you. Yeah, yeah, agreed, agreed. Every single failure that you go through is on your shoulders. Um, And, you know, you can't, you you can't blame, uh, you know, the larger institution with its, you know, poor processes and the people weren't, you know, we didn't have the right people in place, you know, like it's, it's ultimately a game of extreme ownership. And that makes it incredibly hard because I think when you're then having like a down period and when you're having, you know, a bunch of self-doubt in terms of why you're doing this and, you know, like whether you're even the right person for the job and, you know, all these kind of stresses that inevitably at your moments of weakness come and, and stay you like right in your face. I yeah. think it's in those moments you're, you fall back and you have nothing to fall back onto. It's just you and this thing yeah. that you've created called your business. And I think about, you know, all the stresses and all the moments where I've worked for a slightly larger institution. I've worked for a business that is an early stage business, but still I'm not fundamentally the, the owner or, you know, responsible for. You still kind of say, well, you know, I mean, there's people around me that, uh, you know, th- this, this institution is bigger than me. Therefore, actually, if I fall down, I still have something to catch me, catch me as I'm falling. And there's this yeah. greater sense of identity and stability that exists behind you. And you know, yeah. this is this is quite a meta concept, but I think it's really important to kind of like for people that haven't started their own business and haven't really been through some of these kind of like experiences. It's 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 a really, really important nuance in terms of the difference between building something yourself and belonging to an organization um, that is larger than you. Um, and I think that, you know, there's a lot of organizations that are 
quasi-entrepreneurial in terms of they work with a lot of entrepreneurs. And, you know, they, they kind of get a sense of this, but it's still not quite the same. Um, anyway, I feel like I've labored this point enough, but I think it's, it's a really important one to get home. Yeah, definitely. And um, maybe you'd like to make sure that we're not misunderstood because I know how you mean this. Mm. Um, it's not as if like entrepreneurs necessarily have a harder life than mm. the rest of people, right? Yep, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think often it manifests itself that way, but like that's not necessarily the case. But I do think, um, especially when you're the founder that has had the idea, that has assembled the team, everything is hanging on your judgment essentially right because in the beginning for example like when i started neurified uh, <laughs> well i was just a young idiot going up to people saying like hey i think we need more behavioral psychology and neuroscience in the world and then some other people were like hey that's actually a really good idea okay let's let's build it and then over time you experience things where you're like hey wait okay so that was a bad idea and that was a bad idea and we shouldn't have done that and in the end when you really think about it it, uh, and that's the extreme ownership again. It's always your mistake. Yep. Always your mistake. Somewhere down the line. Even if someone does something bad, then yep. you hired them. It's your responsibility, right? Yep. And um, combine that with, I think there's two more factors that are uh, totally key in like understanding why it's hard. First off, the, the system that you're creating keeps on running, mm. right? So during the periods that it's extremely hard, it keeps on going. It's not as if you can sit down and just like properly think like, okay, what are the decisions? What are all the assumptions that we've made? No, no, no. You still need to work on everything. And if it goes bad, your team is actually cut down. So your your capacity is lower. Therefore, you need to do more. So at the time that you need to think the most, you can think the least because yeah. you're doing the most, right? Uh, what an amazing paradox of early stage businesses. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's ridiculous. And, and the second thing is like... Um, that in those moments mm. when everything is very hard, uh, as an entrepreneur, you don't like other people telling you what to do, <laughs> mm. right? But every once in a while, you really wish someone would tell you what to do, especially <laughs> when things are really hard, right? <laughs> yeah. And, um, well, you don't have that, right? Yeah. And you can ask advice to mentors and, and, and co-entrepreneurs and you can go to your investors and you can do all of these different things, but nobody has the bigger picture. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and, and in a weird way, it's all worth it. I don't know how this works because it's so irrational and it's so tiring and all of that, but it's worth it, right? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And, and, and I think maybe a, an interesting kind of example and, and metaphor to, to, to give in all this, because I think extreme ownership is such an important part of the reality that you build around startups, because I think there's there's a lot of times where I think I've kind of spoken to entrepreneurs where they've been really quick to blame, you know, I didn't have the right co-founder, it wasn't the right time in the market, et cetera, et cetera. And when you start blaming all those externalities, and of course those externalities might be the big reason, but I feel like you, you skip yeah. out on a lot of the growth and the learning. And I think definitely yeah. the entrepreneurs and the founders that I really respect and I, I learn a lot from are always the ones that have extreme ownership because that really forces you to think about how you're complicit in your own demise. Yeah, 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 definitely. Can, can you maybe ex explain extreme ownership to people in a few sentences if they don't have the background here? Yeah, so extreme ownership is basically like everything's your fault, deal with it. <laughs> does, that, does that cover it? I, I don't know what else to add. 100%, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but like I think 
it does make sense. Like, um, and of course, if you read the book by Jocko Willink or you've heard the podcast, then of course. Yeah, but uh, but it's it, it, it's yeah. really really true for leaders, um, because I think a really big important part in all this is like, <clears throat> you need to create emotional safety for the people around you, and I think extreme ownership is like a really really good way for you to do that. Um, yeah. And it's it's I I don't know I think if you haven't read the book by Jocko Willink, I highly recommend it because. I think in life, there's always a lot of nuance and everything can be interpreted in so many different ways. I think that the thing that I remember and that was, you know, such a big powerful message in all that book is because he was a Navy SEAL and he was in war, war is very black and white because, you know, people's mm -hmm. lives are on, on, on the line. And so it makes kind of like all these leadership lessons so much more black and white. And I think that's a really, really powerful way to really think about extreme ownership. But I think like, yeah. you know, Coming, coming back to, I think, startups and, and maybe just to really, really drill down the point of some of the challenges I think about it in terms of like being the writer or being the editor. Mm. Um, in a sense, like, you know, you can, you can write a bit of content, you can create, you know, some words on a page, you can write an essay. And I think especially smart people every single smart person that I know is fundamentally quite a good editor. They can go in, they can spot the mistakes, they can say how stuff can be improved, yeah. they can Improves. add, you know, different flavors, different ideas on top of something. Um, however, it's fundamentally different from writing that piece yourself. And I think anyone that's kind of gone through any kind of creative process where they've had to like build something from scratch, it's fundamentally a different activity than to edit something. And just because you're a good yeah. editor doesn't mean that you're a good writer. And fundamentally, just because you're a good writer doesn't mean that you're a good editor. Um, ideally, yeah. if you're a good, good founder, you can do both. But I think this re really basic creative experiment uh, or exercise or metaphor is actually quite a valuable way to think about some of the challenges in entrepreneurship, right? Which is, yeah. or, or, or maybe even simply like, you know, you, you kind of like, um, you know, the average person, I think, like, they watch sports and they're like, oh, you know, how could you have missed that shot? I, I, I could have done better if I was on the field. It's like, <laughs> could you, though? Could you really? Like, you weren't there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's right. Yeah. Um, yeah, well, it's a, it, it's a complex thing. And how can we translate this into value for listeners? That's my, my main thinking, right? Like, so let's say part of the listeners are entrepreneurs themselves. Part of the listeners are, like, people that might want to start something soon. Part of the people are just curious about this yeah. stuff, right? Um, and I know that you have a bunch of like very good questions, mm -hmm. right? Should yeah. we like tackle one or two of those questions? Yeah, hit me. Perfect. Okay, so I'm gonna ask you the question that I would find hardest to answer myself. Yeah, yeah. What's the smallest hill that you're willing to die on to uphold a belief? And maybe like explain the question. And I, I, I really, I like the fact that you've kind of like brought us back to a slightly more kind of like actionable and, and, and kind of like exploring reality conversation. Cause I think we definitely could spiral into having like a bitching and ranting session about entrepreneurship and startups, but that's not necessarily <laughs> the point. I don't think that's valuable, but I think what, what makes this question really quite interesting is that the smallest hill that you're prepared to die on is really around a question of prioritization. Um, and what is, there's lots of important things and there's lots of compromises that particularly with startups, um, you always have to make compromises. You always have to make uh, uh, a good prioritization decision of what's more, more important right now, because very often it's, you know, 
you're under-resourced, you're tired, um, you probably don't have, um, you know, all the time in the world um, in order to like build something and create something. So it's all around like what really matters, what's the most important thing, what are we trying to optimize for here? Uh, and so the game of prioritization and understanding what's important is fundamentally, I think, at the heart of the reality um, of the world of entrepreneurship. So when I think about that, when I think about this question, it's really around like, you know, how do you think about your belief systems and how do you think about your principles? And what is the smallest, most important nuance that you're willing to put ahead of the broader vision of being successful? Um, so, you know, when we talked about this kind of question just before we kind of hit record, I think one of the things that came to mind is that, you know, I'm, I'm currently in the process of launching a new business. Over the last kind of month, I've spoken to a variety of different people um, that I really love and that I really respect because I want them to join the company and, and, and be on the team and, and help, you know, take this, this project um, off the ground with me. So here I've got two interesting conflicting prioritization challenges, right? One is build a great business. The other is do right by the people that I love and that I respect that I want to be part of this company. And which one of those do you, do you put first? And I think one thing that I've consciously and intentionally tried to do, and, and I hope that the friends that end up listening to this um, feel that way, is I've put the friends and the relationship that I have with those people and what I think is right for, and, and based on our discussion, what I think is right for them above the priority and the importance of the business, simply because I feel like, particularly with startups, it's a, it's a, it's a marathon. It's, it's not a sprint. Um, well, yeah, it's actually, no, uh, no, sorry. As, as, it's a bunch of sprints. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's a bunch of sprints back to back. It's a sprinting marathon. No, okay. Let's take a step back. It's a marathon in terms of like a career, right? Yeah, very likely yeah, your first business is not going to go well. Your second business is not going to go well. And you know, it's going to be a very long like career decision. There's going to be lots of different projects um, throughout your career. So from that point of view, I've always really thought about if I don't, if this isn't the right opportunity to work with these people that I really love and respect, there'll be further opportunities further down the line. Therefore, yeah. the most important thing for us to do is to put the, the relationship and the uh, friendship above the business even though that fundamentally harms the business and this, if this business fails, you know, it's obviously going to be a very traumatic experience for myself and I'm going to have yeah. to do a lot of reflection and it's going to be shitty, whatever. <laughs> but I think yeah. it's, you know, this is, this is the kind of thing, which is, it's, it sounds like a small hill, but it's actually been quite profound in terms of a lot of the conversations I've had recently, because I'm like, Hey, I'm not going to try and sell you why this is a great opportunity and why you should join. I'm not currently in sales mode because I'm choosing to prioritize our relationship and our friendship over the immediate need and desire and fucking risk that I have in terms of not build, not bringing the yeah. right people into this company. Um, yeah, yeah. And yeah, I'd say that's probably the, one of the key prioritizations slash skills that I've been thinking about recently um, that has been, been quite challenging. Hmm. Great answer and great context. So thanks. Um, and maybe to add to it, because I think you clarified it quite a bit, like, um, I don't know the smallest hill, but I would add like two hills, <laughs> two hills that like two, two things that I wouldn't be able to like, or, or wouldn't be willing to change in terms to like, uh, make a business successful or whatever. First off, I think it's very simple, ethical stuff, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, you don't want to do anything unethical because you're going to regret that the rest of your life. Um, 
And yeah, well, that's just a trade-off that never seems worth it. So I think very simple. That's a, that's a very big hill. And the other one uh, on a personal level is, well, it's a combination of two things. On the one hand, it's like being authentic. I'm not willing to trade my authentic self entirely in the process. Like I'm willing to, to adapt, right? I'm willing to uh, adopt specific habits and I'm willing to change some or, or make minor alterations in characteristics of mine to make something more effective or, or whatever, to be a better speaker, let's say. Um, but I'm not willing to change the fundamental tenets of my personality, I think. It, that, that, that's really interesting, actually, because, you know, this is something that I've been thinking about recently as I'm in the process of fundraising. Um, because fundraising is, is, is ultimately a game and there's some people that really thrive in this game and there's other people that don't. And I think the important thing to kind of like really understand is that, you know, it's, it's, it's about momentum. It's about getting people excited. It's about creating FOMO. It's all these kind of like factors that govern, uh, in a positive or negative way, maybe debate for another time part of the venture in tech world. And one of the yeah. things that I'm, I've really been thinking about is that, you know, I could, in theory, just like augment the truth and create FOMO and just kind of like, you know, there's certain tactics that I think I'm capable of doing and executing well on in terms of, you know, getting, creating the right kind of sense of urgency in the market. Yeah. Um, and I could be, I think I could be doing a lot more than I currently am. But I think on that point of authenticity, I think it's around, particularly at the moment for me, it's like, <laughs> Do I really have to play those games? And is, is that really the right authentic way for me to kind of like start this journey? And are those, the people yeah. that really enjoy playing those games and that can be influenced by those games, are those really the kinds of investors that I want to bring on board right now? Yeah. And it's kind of a meta exactly. question and you know, it's, it's really complicated because in one sense, you know, the, the sooner that I close the round, the faster I can get going. You know how important are investors in this entire ecosystem anyway like how much they shape the reality of the business on top of money what like you know there's so many it's, it's a complex system right yeah, like, yeah, like, we, exactly. like, like we talked about in the last um exercise inputs fundamentally become outputs which, which then become further inputs right yeah, Every, yeah everything exactly. everything affects affects everything else the chain of life yeah and and i think as part of that you know it's it makes this really kind of like quite a complicated and difficult exercise, but I think there is this line of authenticity and sense of who you are and doing right by yourself and your beliefs that I think is, is quite interesting, particularly in this process where you kind of understand the complexity of the game and you, you can, if you want to be nefarious, probably isn't the right word, but you can be a little bit more cunning in the way that you kind of like bring things together. Yeah, um, yeah that's true. Uh, but but again, right, because I guess like what you're trying to do in terms of, I guess, the broader context of exploring reality in our conversations here is that you're you're trying to bend reality and create this vision of the world and this vision of momentum that is somewhat skewed, right? You're trying to use yeah. people's biases against them. Well, not necessarily against them, I would say, but at least it's about like, under yeah, but it's at least it's about understanding, right? Because I think... Um, in the beginning, I thought a lot about like, okay, so how can you like leverage bias or how can you benefit from it? And more and more, I'm starting to understand like, no, you just need to be aware. And when you're very aware, then you can get to the next step. But before then, doesn't help thinking at all, like from my personal perspective, right? Mm. Um, 
And I like agreed. Like to 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 top off on what you just said, um, I think one of the key prioritizations is literally, and you can frame it in in many ways. With like, do you live to work or do you work to live? Right. Mm. And I think a lot of people view me as someone who lives to work, and I can imagine because like compared to most people, I live to work, and and I spend a lot more time on working. But for me, it's not about. I live to work. No, for me, it's I work to live. The thing is, I'm willing to like um, have a lot of the working in the early years of my life, right? Mm-hmm. And don't get me wrong, I'm never going to sit down because like that's just not in my nature, right? That's mm-hmm. that's the the entrepreneurship part. But at least I'm willing to like front load a lot of the the the, the hard issues mm-hmm. um, to hopefully make it easier later, yep. right? And and if you like work to live, then the e- the decision. Mm-hmm in terms of like, um, am I willing to like change this part of how I want to do things mm. to create a more effective business? Yeah. It's a simple answer. Yeah. I think the issue uh, arises um, when you get into a situation mm. which is very tricky, which you're already like just, just it takes everything to survive. And then you're put in a position where it's like, hey, okay, so you got this way out. Uh, it just needs you to change this tiny thing, right? And then when you're not conscious about this kind of stuff, then you can be dragged into it. Mm. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I think that this is, you know, part of the, the the whole concept behind this podcast and I guess the conversations we've had is that it's a lot around like awareness and just thinking through the nuance and understanding. And I think that's actually one of the most interesting parts of the game that is startups which is there's empirically no right answers or very few right answers, yeah. right? Like if you think about it yeah. as like on a scale of like black and white, it's like you have 1% of black on the right, which is like stuff that fundamentally is always wrong. And you have a yeah. fundamental kind of like, you know, 1% of like white on the other side, which is like, this is always kind of like a, a good thing to, to do and think about. But then it's like 98% gray in the middle. <laughs> yeah, totally and, agreed. And, and, and this is kind of like why I think it's it's, it's always important to just spend some time thinking about the nuance of all this kind of stuff, because there's ultimately yeah. no right, wrong, right or wrong answer. If there was a right or wrong answer, then, you know, there'd be a playbook that you can just run with and execute. And then, you know, it, uh, entrepreneurship becomes a complicated system, but you know, as we've talked about, it's a complex yeah. system. Um, yeah, yeah. And I think as part of that, this is, this is why I enjoy the game that is startups from like an exploring reality perspective, because it's so much around the nuances and the prioritization and the kind of like intentional decisions that you make. Um, And yeah, I think above all else, there's like very little in terms of right and wrong, no matter how much, you know, people and mentors and advisors and investors and, you know, your friends and your family want to say. And I think more importantly than that, it's kind of, you know, if we think back to that whole thing of extreme ownership, ultimately, you know, you can, you can hear everyone's advice, but you need to listen to yourself because you can't hold yeah. anyone else accountable for the outcomes. Right. Yeah. And, and also you're going to get conflicting feedback all the time. Of course. Yeah. Right. You're going to get one person that says like, yeah, okay, she, you should definitely do A and not B. Right. And then one person that says the other thing uh, and you need to like come up with your own solution. So I think, and that's actually the same thing. Um, to, to, to draw a metaphor um, in reading books, like, because uh, we both read quite a bit, right? And then mm-hmm. I've had a few people that ask me like, yeah, but sometimes you read six books on the same topic. 
don't you hate it when there's like opposing views? And I'm like, to be honest, no, those are the best moments because yeah. then you're you're forced to make up your own mind, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Um, and I think in, in, in life it's quite similar. Yeah. Yeah, because this, this is the thing, right? Like there's complexity all around us. And I think the, the more that we can learn to appreciate it and understand it and like sort of understand inputs and outputs, I think the kind of like more, more interesting um, life can be in terms of the level of richness that we have. And I think that's, that's also part of the fun of startups, right? Which is like you get to build a system and you get to try and have some ownership in terms of, you know, how that system operates. You know, what's the culture yeah. of the business like you know like what's the what's the goals how do you make decisions how do you communicate um there's all these kind of things where when you enter into an existing organization it's already quite predefined and you're trying to like find your fit to it but when you start a business you get to yeah. define that whether that's an intentional or unintentional or conscious or unconscious depending on how how deeply you think about this stuff is is, is a separate yeah. question but ultimately you know like every early stage business you look at the team and the way that they act and behave and kind of like the reality that they live in is ultimately a reflection of the reality that the founder chooses to create or creates. Choice, choice may not be a factor. So yeah, so, so Byron, you know, like with, with, with that in mind, you know, like it, it, it's about nuance. There's no right and wrong, extreme ownership. Like, you know, there, there's, there's quite a lot of pretty deep meta stuff in there. Like how, how does that sit with you? Yeah, I think... It's, it's a very good point and um, <laughs> nuances all around, right? So first up is about like front loading some of the hard decisions, what you said in, in the previous episode about like hard decisions, easy life, easy decisions, hard life. That's the thing. And here on the question is like, okay, so you want to build something. Do you really want to build it, right? Are you willing to give up uh, a lot of your free time? Are you willing to not go to some of the birthdays that you could go to? Are you willing to like and not spend that money because you don't have it, right? Like stuff like that, all of these different decisions. Mm -hmm. And the more of those hard decisions you make up front, the easier it'll be in the moment, mm -hmm. right? And I think that's one of the things that I underestimated most, most in terms of um, uh, entrepreneurship. I, I was relatively naive in terms of, I read a few books on it, mm -hmm. and then I found out that, for example, culture is very important. So I thought, okay, you know what? Like, I don't get why the culture is not necessarily that good. Then just document it beforehand, just build it, right? Like write it out and, uh, and then you start a business and you don't have the time to do that, <laughs> right? You, you don't at all, right? And, and what we said, like the monster keeps on going, yeah. <laughs> right? The system keeps on running. So, um, I think that's a key thing. Second thing is like uh, sharing with friends. Mm. Uh, I think you're actually one of the people that I combine in quite well. If if a lot mm. of uh, um, if if some part of my life like actually goes relatively harder, you need to make very hard decisions. Uh, same thing is like with just reflecting on your own belief systems, mm. right? Um, and I, a lot of it just comes down to like checking in with your feelings. Mm. I think. Because you're, uh, the belief system that you have, like that's a very abstract thing, right? But the feelings that you feel, yeah. that's a very concrete thing. And they relatively align. And if you feel that you're not feeling good about something or you're not generally yeah. um, uh, happy, that's usually a bad indicator. And then you need to think hard and probably mm -hmm. make either a very hard decision or have a very hard conversation. Yeah. I think that's an interesting point about entrepreneurship that I think I've come to learn over the years is that it's ultimately a game of like managing your emotional energy. 
it sounds really simple, but it's like, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a sprinting marathon, like we mentioned earlier. Um, and you're basically going to get punched in the face quite frequently in a lot of different ways. So it's like, how do you manage to like get punched in the face and come back round after round after round? And I think that there's probably going to be some people here that are basically listening and it's like, oh, you know, but like stuff can be different. Like, you know, you can prioritize work-life balance and people have done it, et cetera, et cetera. And to those people, I say, absolutely. There's some people that I've known that have been able to like build something with work-life balance and make it a success. But to me, from, you know, the last nine years that I've been working in the space, you know, across Berlin, London, Hong Kong, and all kind of like people that I've met in different walks of life, those people tend to be the exception and not the rule. Um, and generally yeah. every, every entrepreneur that I've kind of like, you know, gotten to know and been able to like get to a level where we have like an open and honest conversation about this stuff ultimately talks around the pain and the sacrifice and the, you know, difficulty emotionally in terms of doing um, what we do. So it's not that those, th yeah. it's not that work-life balance and, 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 you know, taking a slightly easier path is, can't happen. I think it's more that yeah. you should emotionally prepare yourself for it to be tough. And if it's not amazing, great. You've, 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 you've had yeah. a good ride. <laughs> but I think yeah. it's, it's, it's always one of those things whenever anyone kind of talks to me about entrepreneurship and the reality of it is that it's, you know, it's fundamentally a really hard emotional game to play. And it's, it's, yes. it's often like, the thing is, it's like, you know, we talk about getting punched in the face. In many ways, it's like Fight Club. It's you punching yourself in the face. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's actually, that's actually very good. Very on point. If you're not laughing, probably. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it, it's very true though. Now, I think like one, one final thing that is definitely worth mentioning, uh, especially for people that aren't in entrepreneurship yet and are considering it, um, be aware that something that that isn't talked about that often but you as the entrepreneur especially as like the the uh, the real the founding like the the idea guy who's like trying to make it all happen or girl or girl absolutely <laughs> thank you very much <laughs> no no bad stuff intended i'm all up for everyone <laughs> but um uh, <laughs> thanks uh, no i think so very often you will have to make the trade-off um who is gonna get your time is it your business or is it you, right? Mm -hmm. And there are gonna be situations in which both your business and you require a lot of time and you'll have to choose. Sometimes you like, you've, you really wanna make like the decision to like deal with your own shit because you're not useful as a person during the day mm -hmm. because you're actually dealing with a lot in your personal mind. But like yeah. know that it, it's not always doable to tackle both and you have to make decisions. And especially when both are in a somewhat dire situation, there's going to be very, very hard times. So like think upfront about whether that's something that you want because I think like to tie it all together, um, which you said in the beginning, like entrepreneurship is very sexy these days, right? So I see a lot of people starting businesses and I think mm -hmm. many of them, I think it's great, right? Uh, but some people that are starting businesses, I'm like, be careful. Wait, hold up. Is, is, it, is, is it really many people that you're starting businesses? Like, yeah, this person's got it and they're going to do great. Because for me, honestly, I think it's as much as it hurts me to say it, out of everyone that I know and that I've kind of like encountered in my life so far in startups, I'd probably say it's like around only 10 to 20% of the people that I actually meet, I think 
have this level of emotional resilience and awareness to say like, actually, this is a yeah. person that I'll back regardless of what they're building because they have the right mindset and they have like kind of like the right fortitude. That, okay. I love that you made this distinction because yes, we're still talking about the same thing. Um, you're talking about, but you're, uh, I think your sample, <laughs> the people that you talk to and the entrepreneurs that you're talking to, those are real startup founders, right? Mm -hmm. I also know a lot, a lot of people that are just like small business founders, right? Oh, that's a really interesting right? distinction. They still want to like build a business and they still want to do the entire thing. And it's very hard to like, especially in the beginning, mm -hmm. uh, they're both in, in some ways different worlds, right? <laughs> uh, mm -hmm. If you're thinking yeah, about yeah. like venture capital and growing a huge business and then you end up having an SMB, then most likely it doesn't click. And um, I think in the startup world, at most it's 10 to 20% where you're like, okay, that's a good idea. And like, I, of course, everyone is biased because everyone thinks they're in the 10%. <laughs> so that's interesting. I also yeah. think that I am in the 10%, but then again, at times I'm like, I'm not even in the 50, right? Like, so, <laughs> <laughs> right? so that's, that, that is how it tends to go. Yeah. Um, mm. But yeah, I think that's the difference here because if it's about yeah. building like a, a, a lifestyle business or, and not to like downplay any of those, right? Because I don't, I no, think it's a so. very hard, hard road as well. But like a lifestyle business or something relatively smaller, that is manageable and you can still choose for yourself. But in a startup world, extremely hard. Yeah. yeah and I, I think this is, this, this is actually a really interesting point, which is I think like the, the level of fortitude that I expect in a person to have and the ability for them to grow should be proportional to the ambitions of their business. <laughs> yeah, that's very good. Yeah. Um, because, I, yeah, and, and you're absolutely right. And I think actually there's, um, I think in, in, in the broad media, there is actually maybe part of where this kind of like gig economy, like, you know, everyone can start a business. And I think that there's like, you know, just like you said, different kinds of businesses. You can, you know, build an amazing, like fulfilled by Amazon business where, you know, you find a niche and you can, go out there and, you know, serve a small segment of customers with an yeah. interesting product that you care deeply about. You know, you can set up a restaurant. Um, you, you, there's so many things that you can do where actually you're operating in a known world. And what I mean by known world is that like you, you, there's good measures of success in terms of what this looks like. Yeah. And, and what is this? I think it's like, it's, it's most like e-commerce businesses nowadays. Mm. Like if you want to sell anything online in, in terms of like a marketplace, it's fairly well understood, you know, what the operations need to look like, what the margins yeah. need to look like, what the um, kind of like distribution customer support, the, the level of unknown unknowns that you have to face, I think are much, much more confined yeah. than if you were <clears throat> operating on like the bleeding edge of technology and like, you know, you're, you're, you're building genuine AI. Yeah. Um, like you're, you're really trying to innovate on a technological level to push like a frontier forward yeah. or like take something completely new to a market that, you know, hasn't existed before. And I think this is something that also often people don't really bring to the forefront around startups and entrepreneurship, which is like, what's the level of unknown unknowns yes. in this kind of like situation? 100%, 100%. Yeah. And, and, the 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 unknown unknowns in a startup yeah it's pretty much everything you start with a blank page right you start with like a like a bunch of assumptions <laughs> if you do it well um yeah. whereas like 
And that's like still not to downplay at all, right? But it's true. Like some things have already been done. Therefore, there is a bit of a playbook and you can replicate at least part of that playbook. Whereas mm. when you're going from zero to one and, and you're actually creating something new, uh, like as a, opposed to uh, just globalizing something, right? Bringing it from one place to another. Mm. Then it's all assumptions and you could be, yeah, <laughs> you could like yeah. spend five years of your life on something that is built on a faulty assumption and then deal with it, right? So that's like, you need to have that mindset up front and be willing to accept that. Uh, yeah, so, so what would you say? Okay, here's a question. Yes. What would you say is one preconception that you had around startups that has fundamentally like genuinely surprised you and you know well like what, what's a couple of things that stick out yeah. about the reality of entrepreneurship that you really wish that you knew before or that you believed something completely different before yeah um two things one of them i knew but i kind of ignored <laughs> right so that was just like blissful ignorance or or, or naive um and that was like, in the end, it's about sales. Doesn't matter how good your product is. Doesn't matter how uh, good your relationships are with your customer. Like all of those things don't matter. Like if you don't have enough cash in the bank account, sh the shop is closing, right? And luckily I haven't been in that position, but I have been very close to that position. And uh, once I was there, like same thing, extreme ownership, you start thinking like, ah, okay, so I fucked up as an entrepreneur, right? And that starts <laughs> the way the thing. So I think first yeah. off, don't ignore that part at all. Like just really, really focus on it. And it's not as if we ignored it, but it, it should, you should consistently do some kind of like growth related activities every week, uh, ideally mm -hmm. every day. And um, the second thing, and I think this, this was a big learning, um, I always thought entrepreneurship was a parallel process where you're building a bunch of things at the same time, right? So you're, you're building the product mm. and you're building the, 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 your customer development and then you're building um, like a marketing strategy and you're doing all of these different things at the same time. But it's very similar to how our brain works. Like in our brain, same thing. Like we think we can multitask, but in the end, we are not good at multitasking. Right. And in, in like when you really look at it from a neurological perspective, we are not even multitasking. We're just switching extremely yeah. rapidly between things. Yeah. And I think entrepreneurship is very similar in the sense that if you do it well, and especially if I look at like the, the success stories and, and uh, taken into account like survivorship bias, but like the best entrepreneurs that I know, they focus extremely hard on one point tackle that one point. And of course they do everything that's necessary at the same time, but like they always have one clear focus. And um, that's something that I, I didn't do as well. And I'm only, I've only like really realized this on a fundamental level, like uh, uh, relatively recently. So that's something I'm trying to change. Cool. How about you? What's one misconception? I think if I, if I think back to like the real early days of me and kind of like my startup journey, I think I gave, I, I prayed way too heavily on the altar of passion. <laughs> passion is a motivator and passion is a, a liner of teams and bringing people together. Like, is this a problem or a solution? Uh, and okay, so, so, so startup 101, right? Like fall in love with the problem, not the solution. Yeah. Um, classic, classic mantra. But I think it's like, you know, there's 
a lot of people where in the early days it's easy to kind of get swept up in the passion and enthusiasm of something and especially in terms of like how you bring people on board and how you engage other people's like oh wow this this other person really is just as passionate as me about this problem and, and about the space etc but ultimately i think like passion is like way over indexed in terms of i think it's importance in all this especially when it comes to building teams you don't necessarily want high passion i think high passion is great yeah. and it, it's, it's definitely an ingredient but I think that there's so many other ingredients that are very, very important, you know, like what are people's capabilities? What's their communication style? Um, how committed are they? You know, uh, how much conviction do you have in them as a person to be able to make the right decisions, right? There's all these yeah. extra things, which I think are so, so much important than passion. And passion is actually a much smaller piece of the puzzle than I think um, at least I've experienced to be, um, to be the case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's very interesting um, and a great <laughs> in some ways I've seen the same. Yeah. Yeah. And I think like one point that we both omitted, but should always be in here. It's all about the people, right? So be very careful about who you start something with yeah. and, and how you how you deal with this. Yeah. Right. It's like uh, you need to be truly aligned because you're going to go through hardships together and uh, the thing that you really don't want to happen is like that at the shit, like the moment that things are the worst, then you also have internal conflicts because that takes everything away. Like that makes it very hard. Oh yeah. It's, it, it's, it's so like when you're on the winning team, it's so easy to gloss over yeah. fundamental communication and people problems that you have within your team. Yes. Because when everyone's winning, like, oh, you know, this is just part of the hardships of winning. And like, there's a lot of biases and survivorship that kind of like plays into this and you gloss over all that kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden you're in the trenches and you're like, ah, oh, well, shit, there's a bit of friendly fire and we've been without food and water for a couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. That's exactly. And that's, that's what, what, uh, can destroy even the best of teams, right? Internal conflict. But, yeah. Yeah. But, but, but I think there's, there's also one thing that's really important to mention here, which is that like leading people and managing people is something that's fundamentally really difficult. And I think we, we don't get nearly as much training and education in, in even basic communication, right. Yeah. That we need in order to like build stuff. So if we think about like, you know, like, uh, I think we've talked about nonviolent communication yes, before, yes. uh, Marshall, yeah. Marshall Rosenberg, Marshall Rosenberg, Rosenberg. Yeah. That's one. Um, and I think it's like, you know, really simple stuff like that, where it's like, I wish I'd read that book years ago in terms of when I think about building teams and hiring and yeah. recruiting people. Um, there's just so much nuance and so much stuff around like working with people that actually makes it better. And I think that one reality that I've, uh, I've always kind of thought about and struggled with is, you know, when you, when you talked earlier around the prioritization of yourself and the business, and sometimes it's hard, I think often, you know, also when I've kind of definitely felt this and experienced this where it's like you know when the business is failing and you know that there's a bunch of people that depend on the business in terms of their livelihoods do you fix the personal problems or do you fix the, the business yeah, yeah and i think that's a monstrous kind of like responsibility and task that is definitely takes a huge toll on anyone that's kind of been for a situation like that yeah. where relationships are hurt but ultimately if you don't look after the business financially, like, you know, people are going to suffer not only uh, emotionally, but also financially. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, it's uh, the hard thing about hard things. There's no right answers and there's no easy way out. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, um, uh, not for emotional things, but like on a, if you decide to like go on this entrepreneurship journey, especially in the startup realm, mm. one book that I found uh, quite useful in like sketching out the journey is um, Founders Dilemmas by Noah Wasserman. Mm. I think that one is yeah, is, is okay, worth checking out. Yeah. Um, all right, we're almost at fifty minutes. I think we got quite excited <laughs> for, for so yeah like um as you said right this is uh, uh the last episode of this season at least mm. um we're gonna take a bit of a break also because we both had uh, a very funky and like how do you say this challenging periods right uh, so we're both <laughs> yeah. gonna stabilize the whole thing and then uh, from there on ideally build some uh uh, some episodes in the future. Um, we're still going to have these conversations. We're just going to have them mostly privately on, on phone calls, I guess. Mm. So if any of you yep. as a listener like has an idea or, or wants to share something or you just think this should still be there or something, just let us know. Let one of us know and uh, yep. we'll think about it. Ideally with a topic and we'll see how far we get. <laughs> but for now, it's been yeah, a pleasure. I... Thank you for listening. Yeah, it's it's, it's definitely been a pleasure. Yeah, please, please do get in touch um, and let us know if you have any questions, if you've enjoyed this, if this has been valuable. And we will take all feedback into consideration as we think about doing another season yeah. and continuing this fun and exhilarating project that has been Exploring Reality. Byram, it's been fun. Season one out. Yes, Costa, Bye. you're awesome. Thank you very much. Thank you all the listeners. Bye-bye.